It has come to my attention that my actions on last week's show concerning Federico's undying love of Pokemon upset some people in the audience, and apparently put Federico himself in an emotional tailspin that will take a long time to recover from. I would like to state for the record that I did not leave the podcast while we were recording. I played a prank on Federico with the idea in mind to play the hold music in the edit, making it clear to everyone that it was just a joke. To Federico, the audience, and the whole world, I would like to apologize for any anxiety or distress my actions have caused, and through hard work and the dedicated love of my family and friends, I will strive to do better in the future. Perhaps we can all learn lessons from this about pranking other people, and we can make the world a better place together. I will not be taking questions at this time. But I do have a question. Can I ask my question? No. Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 282. It is made possible this week by our sponsors, Smile, Hover, and Sanebox. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm growing as a person. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I'm still so emotionally distressed. I don't know if I can do the show. I was wondering if you were just not going to say hello. <laughs> or maybe I, maybe I was gonna leave. Maybe I will leave at some point today. Who knows? Oh damn! Who knows? Mm. I don't know. This is. Uh, I was thinking about all of this, and it, it calls into question for me. Like, does Federico ever leave when we talk about the Mac? No one could know. I actually do not, and I've never left. The only time I've left. I was sitting on my bed while John Voorhees was filling up for me because he was here in Rome. So okay. that's the only time I left because my desk is a one-person desk. Also, for the record, I would like to state that I did not learn my lesson about pranking other people. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, I am intrigued by the idea of making the world a better place together, but I have not learned my lesson about pranking other people, and I will continue to prank other people, for the record. This makes it sound like a Stephen-focused prank is on the way. Stephen, I accept your apology, though. Thank you. You're welcome. We should start with some... <laughs> oh, I didn't introduce Mike. You didn't Mike, introduce Mike's me. Mike's here, too. Hey, Mike. I'm leaving the podcast. I'm oh. gone. Oh, well, we I'm had a good run. Because you didn't introduce me. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's really wow, falling apart. Steven. One episode after the other. Wow. The controversy is so controversial. Yeah, that, that's me. That's that's what I strive for. Uh, we have some follow-up, and it starts with you Federico. Introduce me. You introduced me. Mike, Mike, Mike Hurley is here. Hello, Mike. How are you? Hello. Oh, I'm so good. Oh, it's good to hear from you, Mike. The uh, latest beta of iOS 13.4 just released, so we're all waiting with bated breath to see the changes that could potentially be coming. Maybe maybe every app is universal. Maybe no app's universal. We will find out through the course of this episode. We are waiting with beta breath, you could say. Ayo! Wow. Oh, okay. Look at that. You are forgiven. Yes, you are. <laughs> For everything you've ever done. <laughs> we we love joke. you again. You're yeah. loved again, Stephen. <laughs> the, lo- the hashtag lovable Stephen Hackett. Make Stephen loved again. Yep. Yes. <laughs> okay. Can we do, can we do follow up? <laughs> there because we Federico, we have discovered that you have the power to change things. So tell us about how you willed Apple Music Replay 2020 into the world. What you have discovered? <laughs> this, is, this is new to you. <laughs> No, I mean, we're kidding. But uh, it is a, a very nice coincidence that since we talked about... Do you think it's a coincidence? I think you're being nice here. Because... Uh, I mean, 
I don't think this is a coincidence. Sure, it's 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 a funny thing to say, but they they actually said publicly that they were gonna do this. So I mean, it's not like. I don't know, you think there's like some engineer at Apple who's like, oh, they talked about it on Connected, so we got to actually enable this feature. I don't think it works like that, but it's it's funny to think about. I mean, maybe, who knows? I don't know. You were Still, checking though, all the time, though. So I was checking all the time. So we're talking about Apple Music Replay 2020, the playlist that aggregates all of your top songs of the year. Um, as we noted, was it last week or two weeks it ago? It was last week. Last week. So uh, Apple actually said in a statement last year when they introduced the feature, Apple Music Replay, that it was not going to be just a, just an end-of-the-year type of feature, but it was going to be available throughout the year continuously updating every Sunday with a fresh set of songs in the playlist. Now, if you go to the Apple Music Replay website, the sort of hero image that you get at the top of the page still says 19. So obviously, the Apple Music Replay 2019 is still the featured item. And rightfully so, because it's still February, and I could see why people may want to generate the playlist for last year now. However... also, if you're me... I am being told I have not listened to enough music this year to generate a playlist yet. So that's right. you, that's something. Right. Um, but if you scroll to the bottom of the page, you will find now, um, since a few days ago, really, a first Apple Music Replay 2020 playlist. So that's the playlist that you can add to your library mm-hmm. and you will find it in the music app for iPhone, iPad, and Mac. And... Sure enough, it comes with, uh, at least for me, it's got the top songs that I've listened to since uh, January 1st, 2020. Um, Again, it's just a playlist. You will not get any additional information about top albums and top artists and that kind of stuff. But you can add it, and in theory, every Sunday, it'll update itself based on your listening activity. So there you go. Uh, You can have the playlist now, and I suppose that... At the end of the year, or maybe towards the end of the year, we will also get the full web page uh, design with the statistics mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But for now, is, I just want to say, right, like because I believe in the power of Federico. I was checking this page as we were recording last week, and the 2020 thing was not listed anywhere, mm-hmm. nowhere. No. And no. then after the episode, it appeared. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, I think. That is- technically true it's exactly true i think somebody (laughs) was like oh (laughs) whoops and then did it that's what i think happened and look we're all human we all forget things we all make mistakes it's just no there's no uh there's no hate being thrown here it's just funny that it the things happen this way so sure enough you can scroll to the bottom of the page and the playlist is there so save it add it to your library and in theory, this is supposed to update again every Sunday. So I guess maybe on Sunday, it'll do the update. And on Monday morning, I, I guess you're going to find a new version. I don't know. We'll see how it works. But I'm I'm really happy that it's here because I can already tell that I've been listening to a bunch of Italian songs mm-hmm. uh, in the in the in the first part of the year. Uh, mm. So, yeah, well, we have a we have the. Uh, we have this national like song contest and the winner of this contest goes to Eurovision. And oh, so that is why amazing. I've been, yeah, that's why I've been exposed to Italian songs because I've been checking out the participants in the contest. Man, we're going to, we're going to do so well in Eurovision this year. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great, right? Like everyone's going to love the UK and Eurovision. 
Oh, damn. I mean, we haven't done we haven't done well for years because just because, but like it's gonna be a woo. <laughs> that mm. one's gonna be fun. <laughs> oh, <sighs> I'm very sorry. I, I expect. I mean, I don't know this, but I expect we will stay in Eurovision for a very long time, and we're in the 2021. But I expect we'll stay in it because the UK is is like it's like very popular here, Eurovision, right? So mm. and and the UK is one of the countries that gets automatic entry because we pay a lot of money to the Eurovision body or whatever. I don't know if Italy is one of those. Do you know that? I have no idea what you're talking about. All right, that's cool, man. Don't, don't worry about it. Like I'm way deeper into the Eurovision law than than you, which is fine. <laughs> it's yes, perfectly fine. You, nobody yes, has you to be, you know. But uh, yeah, I expect we'll just be booed off the stage. It's going to be great. Can't wait. Awesome. Uh, we also have another uh, Apple Music related uh, feature update. Uh, so a few days ago, I first noticed in the 13.4 beta, but it turns out that it's also available publicly on 13.3. Apple Music, Apple rolled out another uh, Beats Music inspired feature. In Apple Music. This would be the ability to browse multiple versions of the same album. So when Beats Music launched in 2013, I want to say, and was acquired by, by Apple in 2014, it had a lot of really great features that, you know, and a lot of people made fun of Beats Music, but uh, I've always thought that it was like a genius pro- I product. It. I really miss, I miss it. it. It had a bunch of new and fresh ideas in terms of organizing albums and browsing artist pages. And I've always wished for Apple Music to borrow some of those ideas. And sure enough, Apple has been doing that with the playlists, with the with the um, you know with the, like the editorial sections, like the mini interviews that you see yeah. when a new album comes out. And now they have released one of the best features from Beats Music, which was uh, a section that is called Other Versions. And this section that is available at the bottom of an album page shows you all of the multiple versions that an album may be available in. Yeah, it's still not as good as the way Beats Music did Still it, not though. as good. Still not as good because the design was better. Because the way it is... I, the, the, in your... Uh, I've, I put it in the show notes. You wrote a big article called Why Beats Music Matters. Yeah. And, and I'm sure there are many po- episodes of whatever show we were doing then, probably connected, where me and you were talking about our love for Beats Music, which was real. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when you used to go to an artist's page, you would see an album, and then there was a drop down yes. for other versions of that album. Maybe deluxe versions, limited edition versions, live versions, that kind of stuff. So good. The drop down was really good. Uh, still, the sort of the the essence of the feature is still there in in Apple Music because it's so you- way better to have. So you use in in uh, or Ryan's I should say in the article. But that's out. my screenshot. It's your that's screenshot, my, which yes. is an internationally famous screenshot used all over the web, which <laughs> I have been seeing over the last few days, which is hilarious <laughs> to me. Just take your own screenshots, people. It's not that difficult. Um, well, maybe to, I say this to Ryan too. Ryan, take your own screenshot. <laughs> take Federico's screenshot. The definitely maybe deluxe version, which has forty four songs on it, is never the one you want. Mm-hmm. You always want the eleven song version of the album, not yes. where like there's three versions of every single song. Like uh-huh. that's it is very it's like a very particular use case for why you would maybe want that. Like and and I think that it should always be buried, which is great because it is now a little bit more buried. So I think that's a good that's a good thing. It's good to have this feature for that reason. Yeah, 
Yeah, so the, the multiple versions include uh, remixes, reissues, remasters, uh, even demo versions, which is nice. For example, uh, Steven, Death Cap for Cutie, they have a demo album, demo version of the Transatlanticism album, and that is part of the other versions section as well. Um, so it's not clear if, like, is this an automatic thing that Apple Music can do based on m metadata? Is it something that the Apple Music team needs to curate? I would assume... It is part of an update that is now automatic and like every album on Apple Music now has metadata that allows it to be grouped with other versions of the same item. I would assume so. I don't think it's a manual thing. Uh, or maybe there, there has been like a, a, like a mix of data coming from the labels and manual creation from the Apple Music team because the, the demo album of the Death Cap Cutie uh, thing, that was really surprising to me. I wouldn't have thought that the system was going to automatically group that together mm -hmm. so i wouldn't be surprised if it's like a combination of uh, data just coming in from the labels and manual creation from curation from the apple music team i expect there has to be some level i mean you know what? i'd be really interested to see like if there was an album i'm trying to find one that would be a good example of this but i'm struggling at the moment when searching around an album that had been remastered which version mm. is considered the the one that you see you know what i mean like if an album has been remastered what is the album that you see in the search results and is there like the original version in the other versions i think Or from from personal experience i think if you look for example at oasis be here now was remastered a couple of years ago and i think by default apple music in search always shows you the remastered version first i'm looking at some some Beatles albums too, and it's remastered, and then it's got other versions that include the original or deluxe versions, kind of underneath that. Which mm -hmm. I think is the right way to go. I, oh, I feel like a lot of people would be upset with that, but I feel like that's the right the right way to do it. To go with the remastered version, it, as long as it hasn't been changed. We're not like George Lucasing this situation. Personally, I would always go with remastered version, but not the deluxe version. Because, yes. like, in that example, definitely maybe with 44 songs, nobody needs that. <laughs> I no. mean, sure, some people want that, but nobody needs that. Like, by default, you should show, you should show me the 11-song version, and it's okay if it's a, the remastered one, but not the deluxe version, mm -hmm. please. So. Yeah, as long as the album hasn't been changed, but, like, just mixed, like, remixed for modern, with modern techniques, right? I think that's fine. I totally understand why some people wouldn't, but then... If you care that much, you probably have the original one in your library. Right. I, th I think it's a fantastic feature. And it, it's it's so interesting to me that this was a Beats feature that like just now sort of <laughs> popped up. Like, why why now? Uh, I, I mean, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I bet there are still things in Beats music that could be added. Like, probably. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> like uh, at some point you were able, I want to say, to browse compatible merch from yes. artists inside uh -huh. beats music and you could and that was genius like yes let me do this and we always thought for sure apple music is going to do this and you should be able to pay with apple pay inside music like if you want to buy a t-shirt from i don't know panic at the disco you should be able to do so with apple pay and it's like a seamless integration thing happening within apple music and they've done like one-off experiments for example last year with Billie eilish they had like this promotion that you could only get 
a t-shirt that I do have personally. Um, Me too. By tapping on a link in Apple Music, but that took you to like a Safari webpage with a Shopify store and it was not <laughs> integrated at all with Apple Music. Sure, Shopify has Apple Pay, which is nice. It's probably why but they like, did it. It's, it should be it should be all in one you know all in one with Apple Music and Beats Music had a had a very nice presentation for this stuff, uh, but yeah uh, that article about Beats Music it's got plenty of screenshots so if you never saw if you never seen what Beats Music was like go take a look at those images there were a bunch of ideas that I really do think that Apple should copy. I really miss the uh, the the wheel the the, the UI for uh, scrubbing. Or the sentence? Do you remember the sentence? I remember the sentence. It was like the meme joke of it, but was actually really good. Where you would uh-huh. pick some words, and it would find music for you based on the like the mood that you'd set. Uh huh. Yeah, I miss it. While you guys take a moment for Beats Music, what if I take our first break? <laughs> good idea. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This episode of Connected is brought to you by PDF Pen from our friends over at Smile. PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro are the ultimate PDF viewing and editing apps for the Mac. You can add headers and footers along with watermarks to your documents. It includes a precision editing tool, plus you can OCR documents, which is really useful. And version 11.2 is available now with table cell content editing. You can add, edit, or remove images from your documents with PDF Pen. You can add things like signatures and text, not to mention being able to correct typos and fill out forms. Learn more at PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro at smilesoftware.com slash podcast. If you do any work with PDFs, you need PDF Pen. Go to smilesoftware.com slash podcast to check it out. Our thanks to PDF Pen for the support of this show and Relay FM. 5G, baby! Got an update for you, Stephen. Do you want to know some more about 5G? Sure, I, I, love, I love hearing about fantasies. So, yeah, nice. That was good. Uh, this one, this is like a very quick thing, and it's one of those things that probably means nothing, but I wanted to say it anyway. The UK Carrier 3 uh, that we have here, it's called 3-T-H-R-E-E. They have announced that they're launching their 5G service later this month, and the chief executive, Dave Dyson, said, that's a great name, by the way, Dave Dyson, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. said that in doing this now, they are prepped and ready for the 5G uh, introduction on the iPhone this year, which they've said will be a critical inflection point. Does this guy know that the iPhone's going to get 5G this year? Maybe. Probably not, though. Uh, but I just wanted to state that even the chief executives of cell carriers believe that 5G is coming to the iPhone this year. What do you think about the part of this quote about being a critical inflection point? I mean, there's, to your point in previous episodes, there are a bunch of Android phones with 5G. The new S20 line has 5G options. Do you think the iPhone is a, quote, critical inflection point? I do. I want to state just for the clarity, the other part of this interview, which was done with Reuters, and I'm, I'm putting in the 95 Mac article because that's where I found it, they... The the other part of this discussion is they were happy they were well they were actually making sure it was ready this week for the S twenty okay like they wanted to make sure they had their five G network up and running fully in the UK mm-hmm. because the S twenty would be the big break into the five G market in their opinion but then the iPhone bit is a critical inflection point which I agree with because. There are a lot of people that buy iPhones and there are a lot of people that buy iPhones every single year. It's going to make a big 
a big jump to 5G. The same way that like LTE and 4G existed before the iPhone getting it, but it was a massive change because all of the people getting the new iPhone that year were going to have access to this new technology, and that's going to be the same. It's like I think that the S20 will make a is going to make a big change because the S20 ships with 5G where previous in previous years it didn't it was an option right you had to buy the 5G phone so like that is going to i think that this is going to be the first part of the wave but throughout this entire year there's going to be phones with 5G shipping but when it will be you know the biggest bump the biggest first bump is the S20 and then the and probably bigger bump will be the iPhone i think it's going to be a big deal like i do think it's going to be a big deal we're going to talk about March event stuff later on. Like, There's just like a bunch of rumors circulating about March event stuff. But one of the things that I didn't put in here, but I saw, was that um, there might be a second... We didn't talk about this yet, right? That there could be like an iPad update in September, even though they're also thinking there'll be one in March. Right. And the September one would include... LTE, sorry, 5G as mm-hmm. instead of LTE or alongside LTE, that there would be just an update potentially to the uh, cell one to include a 5G radio when the iPhone gets it. Do you think that makes sense? I think it does. I mean, I think if that takes place and we see an iPad in March, it's got, you know, an updated processor, cameras, all the stuff we'll talk about later. And I would imagine if there's a 5G one this fall, that all it does is it doesn't change anything except... The LTE one just becomes a 5G one. So you spend the 130 extra and you get a 5G as opposed to a 4G model. But the rest of the specs stay the same. I don't see this being an iPad 3 to 4 deal where the iPad 3 was on the market like 10 months and they replaced it because it was bad and sad and slow. Uh, I think this would just be a radio update. Yeah, because I feel like if they were going to revise it significantly, then they should do which we, what they thought we might do, which was to release... 5g on the ipad first right right that it would be a bad idea to sell the ipad pro in march if you knew you were getting rid of it in september or like replacing it yeah i mean it may just be coming down to logistics where they don't have their 5g modems or antenna or whatever part they're building a different rumors say different Mm -hmm. things about what 5g components apple's building and what they're going to rely on qualcomm for it may just be that, that stuff's not lined up yet, and they have an iPad revision they want to get out there, and then they can just offer a 5G version later. Uh, it does, and it will lead to an interesting question if they do revise the iPads in, in the spring and they're just LTE, and like people like me, like I, I have an LTE iPad, I find that really useful. Would I wait until there's a 5G model? Like maybe if, if I really think 5G is coming, which you know, could looks like it could be happening. So it, it could cannibalize sales a little bit. You've changed your tune. You never know. Yeah, I mean, I wonder. I wonder what the actual sales breakdown is from LTE to Wi-Fi iPad models. I would love to know. I bet they sell a significantly higher level, even on the Pro, of the Wi-Fi version over the LTE version. I think so too. I think most people don't want to spend the hundred thirty bucks on what's already an expensive device, and most people would just tether if they really need it but most people probably don't need it because i think most ipads get used at like home or school or work and not necessarily you know the way we use them when we travel like a lot of people just don't have that need what do you think federico do you think they sell a lot like what do you think the breakdown is if you were just gonna guess 
Yeah, I don't I don't think the I think the majority of iPads are Wi-Fi only iPads. I, that's just my personal speculation. Yeah. And I think it's a big a big majority though, right? Like not yeah. just like fifty one percent. No more like seventy, seventy five percent, I would say. Because like even for me, like I still my my iPad Pro, my large iPad Pro, I always get the Wi-Fi version, and I get the five. I, well, I will get the five G one or the small, the smaller iPad I get with Cell because I take that one out when I travel and stuff. But my the one that I have that I most pretty much exclusively use at home, I just get Wi-Fi. And I think if I was if I only had one iPad, I'd probably still get Wi-Fi because it's I don't use the Cell options that much. The Cell plans to buy pay as you go which i do it are expensive that it's they're pretty expensive um i've i haven't looked into i think i heard you mention this on a podcast recently Stephen, that you have your ipad in like a data group yeah so we have whatever it is 10 gigs or 12 gigs on at&t and it's my iphone my wife's iphone and my ipad so they just share that pool of data I don't know if we can do that here, but I want that because I have a lot of data on my phone and, yeah. and I know I can tether, right? But like, mm-hmm. I don't want to wear the battery of both devices down. That's right. that's my thing. Like, so tethering works mostly okay. It can be a bit flaky, but my thing is I don't want to just like be blowing through the battery of both devices when my iPhone is just sitting there doing nothing except serve a connection mm-hmm. because I'm only ever tethering when I'm not at home, right? So like... I want the maximum battery life out on my phone because I'm out and about. I used to be a big believer in the idea that you have one cell network for your phone and a different one for your iPad. So like my phone would be on AT&T, but my iPad would be on Verizon. I think in the early days of LTE, that made sense. And that may make sense again in the early days of 5G. But in the last several years, at least for me, AT&T coverage is so good basically anywhere I go, I, I sort of just folded it into one. So it's like, it's one less account to have open, one less bill to pay. It's just yeah. all comes out of one one thing. I think that is going to make a difference in 5G again, because there are all these different technologies and mm-hmm. it is about how much spectrum you have. So like three who I was just talking about, they are claiming, and there's good, like they, they have good data to back it up, that they're going to have the best uh, 5G coverage because they have more spectrum. So... Mm-hmm they can deliver faster 5G faster than anybody else here so i'm gonna, i'm keeping my eye on how this is all going to go um with the 5G stuff about where i want to be anyway cuz you know so companies they're much and much the same really like the service that you receive like i don't really have a lot of brand loyalty honestly sure because they're just frustrating but yeah uh so that's that 5G is coming. It's hot and fast. I have some game recommendations for the connected listeners. Hmm. Steven, this is... If you want to leave, it's fine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey uh, iPhone games. First one is this game called Tetris. Um, I think I've heard of that before. Mm. I would like to recommend a Tetris game. Uh, and I know if listeners out there, if you hear me say this, you think to yourself... But, Mike, every Tetris game on the iPhone is terrible. And I would say I agree, except this new one isn't, because the Tetris company, um, whoever owns the Tetris license, they had been working with EA on the most recent and for, for quite a while Tetris games. But that is no longer the case, and it's even the EA Tetris games do no longer exist on the App Store. So hmm. that that is like a... 
gone dead uh, arrangement. They were, and the Tetris company is really working with a new new developer, a new uh, company called Network, who I've never heard of before. But they have put out the Tetris game that you have always wanted for the iPhone. It's just Tetris. Like, it's proper Tetris. They have some cute little designs and stuff. You can change the way it looks. Um, but it's Tetris. Like, then you have high scores and they have, like, some other modes and stuff, but you get the regular game, the music is good, the graphics are exactly what you'd want, the movement is just what you'd want, right? You're swiping left and right to move the pieces, you're swiping down or flicking down to get them to fall to the bottom. I do have a thing where I keep accidentally uh, invoking reachability Mm. because I'm flicking down towards the bottom of the screen, Mm. but that's not the fault of the Tetris people. Um, They have themes. One of them is an 8-bit theme, which makes it look like old Game Boy Tetris, which is brilliant. Like, it's the green and black, or like the green and grey theme, and I enjoy that a lot, and it has the little um, like the the Russian palace type motif along the top, which is super cool. I love that. Uh, And it is a free app with a one-time fee to remove ads, which is exactly what you want. $4.99 to disable ads in Tetris, and this is a Tetris game that is worth your four ninety nine. It's really very good. If you like Tetris, you will like this game. So yeah, this looks nice. It actually. is very nice. It is. It's. I'm. I have been playing it. It's been out for a bit. It's been out for maybe a couple of months. Oh, January. It came out in January. I've been playing it a lot recently. It's been kind of like my one of my go to iPhone games for kind of just like idle stuff for a bit because you know you can just dip in, dip out whenever you want and. It's just Tetris, and unless you're, like, super crazy on it, like, I don't really care too much about how good I am at Tetris. Are either of you good at Tetris? Like, like good, good at Tetris? No, I was never good, good at Tetris, no. You're okay? Do you enjoy it, at least? Uh, no? Mm, okay. Until it gets really hard. Like, right. <laughs> I, I can enjoy it, but I, it does not relax me, though. It's not a relaxing game for me. Okay. I kind of just, I can play it mindlessly. I'm playing Tetris right now uh, as I'm talking to you because I wanted to just check what I was saying about the themes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can, I find that this is just a game that I can play very easily and because I don't get stressed about it because I know I'm not that great at it. So if I don't get a good high score, I don't care. It's just Tetris. And I'm, I'm sure the, I, the, the phrase, it's just Tetris, is very upsetting to some people because it is, Tetris is one of the greatest video, is one of the greatest video games Ever, right like i think whether you like it or not people can can attest to that notion so that's tetris uh <laughs> in case you haven't heard this is up and coming game <laughs> have, have you heard the good news about tetris have you heard the good news about the new tetris which is good news uh there's another game that i wanted to recommend spell tower plus oh yeah this is a kind of evolution of the what is now i can't believe when i say this 10 year old game spell tower oof so Spell Tower by Zach Gage is 10 years old. Isn't that bananas? That's, no, I don't believe that. That, that can't, 10? It's like, he, he released it for the 10th anniversary. Well, at least it might have been 10 years since he started working on it. I think it maybe came out in 2011, but it is basic. it is for, you know, it's a 10-year-old game at this point, which is, which is just wild. Uh, so this is a kind of evolution of that mechanic, um, it's really fantastic. I mentioned Zach Gage who made it, who, in my opinion, is the very best uh, independent iOS game developer. 
Like every game that Zach Gage makes is just fantastic, right? So you're like looking at like Flip Flop Solitaire, uh, Cards of Darkness, uh, Really Bad Chess, like all of these games that, that are just absolute, like they're all just fantastic. Oh, 8 uh, Bit Pool, which is a great one, Type Shift. All of these games, Sage Solitaire, like all of these games, and also uh, Gage has been involved in a lot of other uh, collaborations and stuff. So, like, just excellent game developer. It is a, I think, probably the easiest way to, to explain what Spell Tower is, or Spell Tower Plus, is, is it's like a word search game, right? So, you're looking for words. Um, you can either, you can do a word search where you're just selecting up words and, and kind of finding them in a thing, in, in like a grid, and then they disappear. Um, like the letters disappear, they're replaced with new letters. But then they also have towers where there are these like big columns and every time you complete a word, a new row appears and kind of like in an almost Tetris-like way, uh, it can end up if you if you have a column that goes above a certain line right as the rows start to increase the game is over so you have to like also be finding words within the highest columns to make sure you bring them down there's lots of just really good modes and they have um like daily challenges as well so they're like that you can compete on with friends so instead of just playing the boards that are already built in which of course i'm sure there's so many of them there's also new ones every single day which is that's fun like i like that kind of mechanic it's like and then it, you know you have a thing every day to go and play um it is again it's like a it, it is a game that has ads in it and you can pay to remove the ads uh also 4.99 uh, I really also really like this mechanic that they have for challenging words. So if you find if you find a word but the game says it's not a word, you can challenge the system. So you can say this is a word, and then it does a search online against this dictionary, and then it's like, oh, you know what it is? Because I think that there is like an updating word list, or there's like this mechanic of checking against a larger dictionary than the one that's built into the game. But what I really like is that you have limited amounts of challenges. You have three. You start the game, you have three when you when you first download the game. And if you make a challenge and it's not a word, you lose one. But if you make a challenge and the word is, in fact, an actual word, which then gets added into the Spell Tower Plus dictionary, you get your challenge point back, which reminds me of the challenge rules in tennis, which I assume is what this was... Um, modeled after so like in tennis if you challenge a call against the umpire you you're i think you only get two of these per game uh but if your challenge is, is like is is upheld you get one of your challenge points back so anyway spell tower plus is a fantastic word game if you like word games of any kind on ios then i recommend this one because it's one of my favorites based on one of my old favorites so those are my two game recommendations I have some real-time follow-up. Okay. I, too, have a game recommendation. Oh, okay. So I can leave, I guess. <laughs> That's right. Um, it's called Pokemon. And no, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. So I don't... Tell I don't, me about it. I don't play Pokemon many games. Company. I have, like, one or two on my iPhone. That's that's it. Uh, one of them right now is Two Spies by our friends over at Steampunk oh. Software. I have been meaning to check this out, so I'm happy you have brought this to the episode today. Okay, well, download it. We can play each other later. So this is a okay. a turn-by-turn strategy game. It's on the iPhone and iPad. I think it's... Oh, this is very much in your wheelhouse. Yeah, I love Risk and, you know, games like that. So 
I think it's actually better on the phone because the haptics in this game are really, really good. And as we know, the iPad does not have uh, anything for that. But you you play against somebody you know. So like you send somebody an iMessage link and then you play in the app. There's no open internet play. So like you can't just wait for a stranger to join a game. They've said that they've considered that. But uh, at this point, it's not a feature. But I actually like that because I play my brother a lot. And I know like we've learned how each other plays, which makes it a lot more difficult because then you have to think what they think you would do and you go back and forth. And um, it's fantastic. So it's uh, it's like strategy. You want to gather cities and intel and you, you're you basically moving your character around a map. And then if they think they know where you are, you can try to kill them. And there's intel and power-ups that change the dynamics of the game. Uh, it's very enjoyable, very well designed. Uh, and it is a uh, – there's a, there are a couple of in-app purchases, but they're just cosmetic stuff. You're not buying power-ups or anything, and it's free to download. So it's really cool, really well-polished, and uh, I've really enjoyed it over the last couple of months since it's been out. I want to play it. This sounds good. I'm concerned about your willingness to play me. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Because – so me and Steven, over the years, we've definitely mentioned this in the past – we have played each other in various iMessage-based uh, games. <laughs> I remember this. Uh, that we're using an app called Game Pigeon, <laughs> which is very fun. So there is a pool game. There is an eight-ball pool game, which we have played each other in this many, many, many times. Steven has never, ever beat me. Mm-mm. Never once beat me, which is fantastic. But then there is also a uh, Battleships, which he always wins. But I, we haven't played that as many times as we've played the eight ball pool. Uh, I wished I knew how many times I had beaten you, but it's every time. But I just wish I had it's, statistics. It's not good. Uh, it's it's kind of a wonderful thing, really, to to go through the games and I feel so much tension because I never want to lose because I've never lost, you know. So mm-hmm. it's, it's like very exciting. But yeah, I'm I'm keen to try out this game. I have been meaning to look at it for a while, so because uh, it seems like fun. So that's yeah. a good recommendation too. Federico, do you have any iOS games that you're playing? Mm, no. I'm okay. really, I'm just you playing just Pokemon. Yeah. The the chat room did point out that Alto's Odyssey has made it to the Mac. So if it, that game is excellent. Uh, I think it's better on the iPad because it's so beautiful, and I bet it's awesome yeah. on a big Mac display. So I'm going to check that out. Yeah, I wonder what it's like to use like a keyboard or whatever instead of a touchscreen for this. And I also wonder if it's Catalyst. Oh, that's a good question. Well, I'm not on um, Catalina, and it's mm. allowing me to buy it in the App Store. So Apparently, Alto's Adventure was already there, and now Alto's Odyssey is. So maybe I don't know. Yeah, there. Alto's Adventure was, was, uh, was, was there. So there's some. Uh, that's uh, our weekly game coverage that we do every week. Weekly game coverage. And we never miss. Steven, are you looking forward to uh, the... Animal Crossing Nintendo Direct tomorrow? Uh, obviously, I knew it was going on, and mm-hmm. obviously, I yeah. rearranged my schedule not to miss it. Good, yeah. good, good. I'll look good. forward to, to talking about it next week. Yeah, ha- have me on remaster. I'll, I'll be ready. Okay, great. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> this episode of Connected is also brought to you by Hover, one of the show's longest-running sponsors. When you have a big idea, where do you go? For a ton of people, Hover is the first step because your business starts with a domain name. 
Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. And they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have. They're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free who is privacy, so the bad guys don't get your info. Clean design as you are working through their admin screens. And monthly sales on popular top-level domains. So it's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. I helped a friend of mine recently with a website for his business, and he had a bunch of domain names like scattered across a bunch of different terrible domain registrars. Like these, I felt dirty logging into some of these websites. They were so bad, they were confusing to use. And we moved everything into one Hover account for him. And he was honestly like blown away how easy it was to manage and see what was going on. And uh, so it's fun to get to introduce somebody new to Hover. We know that you like intuitive user experiences and things that just work straight out of the box. So you're going to appreciate Hover. It's simple, clean, and easy to navigate. Buy your domain and start using it today. Go to hover.com slash connected and get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That URL one more time is hover.com slash connected. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. So there's been a a lot of talk about a March event and what could be included in a March event and what could not be included in a March event. I have collected the majority of the tidbits that I have found interesting and would like to share them with you and our audience. Mm-hmm. So 9to5Mac is reporting via a German website called iPhone Ticker that uh, apparently has sources that have told them a March event is on the cards, um, but most likely set for March the 31st. Um, I don't know if this report can be believed or not, but there is a lot of smoke that would suggest there is going to be something happening in spring, whether it's an event or a series of product launches. Um, it, you know, that the the thirty first of March does match up with some stuff that's happened in the past, but who knows? Um, Digitimes is reporting that new iPad Pros are in production. They will include, as we expect, a rear triple camera. And time-of-flight camera, which time-of-flight camera would be a new thing for iOS devices, which is important for me uh, in the Ricky picks. It's likely that a 5G version, as we spoke about earlier, would launch later on in the year. Um, however, according to other reports, it is looking likely for the production to peak after April due to delays in manufacturing because of coronavirus. This is going to be a running theme through my uh, discussion here. Uh, Ming-Chi Kuo is reporting that Apple's ultra-wideband tag product is going to be coming sometime in the second or third quarter of this year, but would be expected to be announced if there was going to be an event that they Apple would just announce that it here it is, it's coming later. Uh, Kuo had also previously reported, don't forget, that a wireless charging pad, high-end over-ear Bluetooth headphones, and new MacBooks, this is a switch keys, are scheduled for release during the first half of the year. Bloomberg is reporting that Apple is still planning to release the new lower-cost iPhone, which we're thinking will either be the iPhone 9 or the iPhone SE 2 in March, but coronavirus could impact that. Taiwan News is reporting that Apple is moving the manufacture of some products to Taiwan because of the coronavirus, and this could include the new iPad. 
Uh, and of course, there is also iOS 13.4, which we mentioned earlier, the second beta is out. It's in testing now, which we're expecting to drop around March sometime, coinciding with the Xcode changes for universal apps, including Mac versions, because that was said to be taking effect from March. So that's kind of when you would expect 13.4 to ship. And it would it makes sense that there would be 13.4 shipping if there were new products that were needed for support, especially the iPads, which would have at least some new hardware changes, and we're expecting there would be keyboard changes. So this is kind of where we are. I mean, of course, there is also the the news that Apple was adjusting its forecast because of coronavirus uh, impacting its supply chain. So this is like this weird thing right now, right, where it's like there's a lot of potential products coming out, but they might not be able to make them, so maybe they wouldn't announce them. Or maybe they could do like a, they could launch it, but it would be constrained for a few weeks. Yeah, I I expect if Apple do have an event sometime in March with products coming out in April or May or whatever, anything that comes out will be heavily constrained because a lot of Apple's current production line is constrained. Like try and buy AirPods. Oh no, it is very difficult right now to do that. Um, but they're they're going to be seeing constraints on everything. It seems like, hence why uh, they changed their their quarterly guidance. Yeah, I mean, we still don't know though. If if like looking at the list of these products, it seems to me like it's it's starting to feel a bit similar to last year when we had a bunch of products and we were certain, oh, there's going to be an event. But in fact, they just rolled them out with press releases because there wasn't like like a single theme around that, you know? Like, sure, it's an iPad Pro and then it's an iPhone 9 and some Bluetooth headphones and also have a charging mat and, the tag. and, some, and some tags. Like, it's a bunch of different products and I'm not sure if there's like... Because it feels like, and maybe this is a point that Jason Snell made a while back on on an episode of Upgrade, that like they usually need some kind of narrative to build an, an event around, and this to me feels like a like a grab bag of new products and updates, and also the iPad Pro, sure with a new camera, but the design is mostly going to look the same probably. I could see the keyboard changes and the new accessories. This is my wild card. And really the only reason why I still believe there may be a chance for, for an event, if the iPad Pro upgrades are important enough to tell a story around productivity and, and professional users using the iPad Pro, then maybe they could build an event around that. I'm wondering how much of a difference does the time of flight camera make to AR? And if right. it is a big deal, I can imagine them wanting to have demonstrations of that because of how important that is to Apple. I also thought about, um, I was thinking about this a few days ago. I don't know if it's even possible, but like I was thinking about the tags, right? And I guess it would make sense because we've been thinking about the tags as like a tile competitor and that makes sense, right? You you stick them somewhere and you place them somewhere and you can track the object that they're paired with. But what if there could also be an AR kit implementation for this? Oh, there has to be. That's very smart, right? Like where you could we move it around the room. It's like, oh, it's just here. Yeah, exactly. And like, 
Because if you think about it, it's sort of similar, like other companies have tried this before, right? Like combining a physical object with AR, to an extent, you could say that even Nintendo years ago, with, with the very rudimentary augmented reality for the Nintendo 3DS, you remember you could like, with the cards, like you can move, you can move the console around and, and the cards were actually an AR device. And so I wouldn't be surprised if the tags, yes, they do have a track. I mean, the main feature is the tracking component, but also an AR sort of mapping component. Because if it's based on, on you know, um, devices that are uh, very near to your main computer, then mm-hmm. it would make sense to have them be sort of like beacons that you could do something with AR. I don't know. But maybe AR could be one of the stories, one of the one of the plot points, if you will, to yeah. build an event around. Maybe it could be productivity. It could be, you know, Adobe, they have a bunch of uh, uh, updates for Photoshop. And in theory, we're supposed to be getting Illustrator news this year at some point. So maybe there could be that angle of like iPad Pro, uh, and professional users and we have Adobe come on stage again. And this time they're showing off Illustrator coming to the iPad Pro. You know, that kind of... And we have a bunch of keyboard additions, and so we're gonna show off a bunch of apps that use the you know the smart keyboard, and I don't know. And then oh, and like we're showing you this great AR stuff while we're talking about AR, right? Like we have this new AR tag product, and it's like super amazing. I could see that. I could see that. But it is, you know, it's like the iPhone nine or the iPhone SE two. I'm sorry, everyone, but it's not going to be exciting. Like, that's not no. an exciting product. Like, <laughs> they are not going to do... With, I am very confident they will not do what you want them to do, right? Like, which is to make a small, like a really small version of the iPhone ten. Like, I just don't think it's going to be that. And then it's, it's just not going to be exciting, right? It's just like, you remember this design from, like, 2016? Here it is again. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be... An iPhone 8 with the iPhone 11 guts in it. I mean, so I, I was sitting here thinking about what this event could look like. And I, I remembered that sometimes in the past, like Steve Jobs called Johnny Ive on the first iPhone. I think with the first FaceTime camera and like the first MacBook Pro, Phil Schiller was in the audience and Steve FaceTime called him and they showed that he was in the same room and you know how it worked. So what if this time Tim's on stage and they're talking about this and like, oh, I lost my Phil Schiller, and they have attached a tag to Phil Schiller, and the Tim has to like walk around and find him, and then the tag like shows him where he is, and we find Phil like behind a plant or something. That could work. I, I that's all I want now mm-hmm. uh, is for them to do something just like that, and it has to be Phil who's lost, right? Uh, of course, of course, because who else would it be? Because Phil's always the guy, right? Like he's he's yeah. always he jumped off the stage to introduce yeah. Wi-Fi and. That would be. I would enjoy that a yeah. lot, actually. So I'm just saying, if that doesn't happen, you know, short your Apple stock, I guess. Uh, I, before we recorded today, I saw a new uh, air power like charger. Oh, from the Native company. Union. I'm. We've talked about this company before, Mike. Yes, Native Union. That you like their products, right? You like their cables and stuff. Yes. Yes. Didn't you buy like a really expensive? We were together when yeah. <laughs> at the airport, and I bought yeah. a very expensive, like thirty dollar cable. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. A and I remember at the time being like, "Are you really?" Because like I've known of this company, right? They make like really nice looking 
charges and stuff and and yeah. I was very much like are you on this the native union bandwagon now is that your thing um but they have made a uh an air power like product called the drop XL so it is a double chi charging mat with this like silicone grippy texture which I think would be good because like most of the the wireless charges that I've tried they're made of like a slick plastic which just doesn't feel good like i feel like it should be some kind of grippiness which is cool like i like that um and it also has a detachable apple watch charging puck thing so the one the, you know one of the reasons you might want to detach it is because then you could charge like two phones because if you have a the apple watch thing plugged in you won't be able to fit a second phone on the mat but again it's like this is one product you charge your apple watch your iphone and your airpods it's like 130 pounds. It's probably a similar amount in dollars. Um, it's look, this one I will say, of all of the products that I have seen, as you would probably expect from Native Union, this one mm-hmm. looks nice. Yeah. Yeah, it does. This isn't like a super ugly one. It looks looks nice. I still just don't know if I have the desire for a product like this myself um i just i see him and it's like okay like Mm. but it's so large like it would be too large for the space that i have on my on my bedside table for it to be for it to be useful to me but you know the i don't know if we ever followed up but i do own that pop socket wireless charger now and it and it does work so that's all i have to say on that one Really, uh, Federico, did you did that thing that you order ever? So yeah, I was just thinking about this. It never showed up. Good, <laughs> good, have, good, good. I have, <laughs> I, That's good. Uh, honestly, I don't even remember what the name was. This was the one with a fan in it, right? How am I supposed to be searching for this in my email account? Because I just like I woke up one day and I saw it on the news, or probably John Voorhees sent us a link to that, as he always does. And I just I clicked buy, and I don't remember. It is called the Zen's Liberty okay. wireless charger. Can you spell it out for me? It's Z E N S. You want to search your email now? Zen's. Um. Okay. So info at make Zen's. Uh, so we're talking here January 3rd, 2020. Thank you for your order. Hi, Federico. Just to let you know, we received your order uh, and it is, it is now being processed. Uh, okay. So, um, yeah, it, it was being processed uh, on January 3rd. So I think that, that you bought something and you weren't paying attention because it's, you, you pre-ordered that, my friend. Uh, it is available for shipping beginning the end of February. Okay, so maybe it'll, you know, I have an account. It says orders. Uh, and if I, yeah, process, still processing. So That's good. It's, it's fine. So they're still working on that. And maybe, you know, yeah, I paid for FedEx shipping. So that's nice. Uh, it's the Liberty wireless charger and the alumini- aluminum that's spelled with, a, with an additional I, which is nice. Apple Watch USB stick. Um, okay. So I will keep you posted. In theory, you know, this, this website still exists. This company seems to be in business. So that's that's good. Um, they have a blog. And the blog was last updated last year, which is not suspicious at all. Uh, Maybe they last, just don't have anything to say. You know? last, last I haven't updated my blog in like five years. So April 2019. Uh, and, the, and the last article was the five most common misconceptions of chi wireless charging (laughs) oh maybe that's an article for me (laughs) you should send me that one it's fine it's fine uh 
The I believe in Zens, you know? Yeah, sure. They'll, they'll, do. they'll do it. They'll do it. You know, uh, end of February. So in theory, next week, in 10 days, we'll see. It's coming yeah, up, so then. within a couple of episodes. I, I don't really, I, honestly, I don't have a good feeling about this. Do they have a Twitter account or anything? They're certified. There's there's a logo that says certified, but mm. certified so, what? But I don't know. That's uh, all it if takes. You, if you, click you on, have the badge. It's a, it, the value of Chi certification. Uh, so they're certified by Chi. Is Chi a consortium or something? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Is a consortium, yeah. yeah. Okay. I you know we'll see. I mean that's not useful to you if you didn't even know there was one. N- no. No, it really isn't. But all my account details are correct, and it still says processing. So we'll see. But yeah, this is the one that is quite chunky. Actually, I'm taking. I'm looking at the pictures again. Uh, it's not a small pad. Uh, yeah. Okay. We'll see. I'll let you know. I better buy a fire extinguisher in the meantime. I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stephen, what wireless charging are you using? In my office, I have one of the Mophie ones that they sell on the Apple Store. Uh, but then on my nightstand, I have the Studio Neat combination. So it's a wireless pad and then a lightning port, which I use for my AirPods, and then a watch charger all in one, the Material Dock. And what one are you using right now, Federico? Oh, right now I'm still using the Nomad uh, pad from last year. This is the, it's the basic one where you can place the phone and the AirPods Um Oh, this is one that's got like th- it's got like a few coils in it. This one, hasn't it? It's got like a four, and you need to line line the devices up quite precisely if you want to charge them both at the same time. And over time, that has uh, grown a bit annoying. And so, I never charge the never charge the phone and the AirPods at the same time because it requires too much precision. So, I just charge the AirPods during the day, and I leave the phone just the phone uh, in landscape on the pad at night. Uh, you could use both at the same time, but because it's got just a few coils inside, three uh, it has. I'm just looking on that yeah, website. You need to be extra precise uh, in lining them up, and often, like even if you just bump your nightstand, uh, you risk of one of the devices oh, not man. charging. Chi so. charging so great, guys. That sounds so great. You know, you're, so pa- you're passing energy through magnets it uh, no really it's not the way that it works but still it's uh it's it's a complicated science so awesome i was uh i was at ikea today and uh i did note that they had some lamps with chi charges in the base of them mm. and mm. i thought that was very clever and i may buy one of those lamps you know what I've started doing at IKEA lately? Silvia is quite upset at this. Uh, but whenever I wait, wait, the... wait, 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 wait. The way you said that, how often do you go to yeah, IKEA? Like exactly. that sounded like you go a lot. Uh, y- yeah. I mean, it's it's five minutes away from us, and it's okay. like when we think of something that we want for the house, we just go to IKEA. We actually enjoy taking walks at IKEA with the dogs. It's actually quite. You can relaxing. take the dogs in the IKEA. Oh yeah, for sure. Don't yeah. say it like that. You can't take dogs everywhere. We are a country that loves dogs. But that's Mike. still... Yeah, but lots of countries love dogs, but like you can't just take dogs wherever you want. We can now go to the supermarket with dogs. Okay. okay. We can buy groceries with the dogs. Yeah. they uh, No, really, we passed some new regulations to allow to do this. Really? Um, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. 
Like you can now, uh, you can, uh, if you have a small dog and if you can just, um, if you can hold your dog, you can go to the supermarket. So obviously if you have a small dog, you wouldn't want to hold like, like, a, like a German shepherd. <laughs> that would be impossible. But like if you have a small dog like ours, you can just hold it with one hand and with the other hand just buy something inside the supermarket. Or certain supermarkets, they have dog-specific carts and so we've used uh, both options. One time just walked and I was holding Ginger and uh, Silvia was holding Zelda and we bought groceries. And another time we just put them both in the dog-specific cart, which was fun because it, <laughs> we'd never done that before. At Ikea and any other store that does not sell um, groceries like produce and that kind of stuff, you can just walk in with the dog and they cannot uh, tell you to leave by law. I will say I like that they that there is a limit on like where food is being sold. Yeah, right. I do yeah. I do think that that limit should be enforced, which yeah. is good. That's good that there is a, there is a line, you know? I think mm-hmm. that's good. But anyway, yeah. what have you been doing at IKEA recently? Oh, so uh, any, every time we go, uh, you know they they now have those demo stations for the Sonos made speakers. Those stations, they sell me. I like. I'm like, oh, I want one. I'm like, no, I don't want that. But like, I do want it when I see it. That's exactly. That's exactly what I what I say too. Like, I don't need it, but I kind of want it because it's all nicely put together in this station. Uh, yeah. So every time I'm there, I, I change the song and I and I raise the volume to the maximum level on all the speakers, and then I leave. that's good it's a good use of your time uh the the, what i they have uh it's like a collection they have two products in the collection right now one is a lamp and one they call a bookshelf speaker so you could put it in a bookshelf but they also have it which is very clever you can set it up as like a wall mounted bedside table but it's also a speaker like i really like the way that they do that but i also don't want sonos product i don't want to get into the whole thing like the sonos thing i'm already i'm into too many things already right (laughs) you know like i don't want another system (laughs) that i have to integrate just for music it is a thing it is a thing (laughs) especially it's just like a thing that surely isn't going to be around for very long like is you know i believe that apple will have some kind of or Amazon will have some kind of like multi-room connected speaker thing for longer than Sonos will. Like I <laughs> yeah. am very impressed that Sonos is still around. Like that is a testament to that company, whatever they're doing that means they can still be around. And doing stuff like this thing with IKEA is probably part of that, right? Like it's mm. clever. But you know, bravo Sonos, but like yeah. I don't wanna get but into another it is, thing it is a thing it is it's one of those things that if you buy one and then you and then you share it publicly you got a bunch of people like sort of like virtually winking at you it's like oh yeah now you're in the club now you're a sonos person <laughs> because you are right because as well everyone that i know that owns sonos devices they're like sonos people and they're like oh no but you don't understand and they get in touch with you the sonos products are so good you should get a sound bar for your television and then you should get this and this <laughs> it's and like 
<laughs> it's like when you start, it's like, and I mean, I, I love Greg, but it's like when you start using drafts, like you say you use drafts for one thing and you get a bunch of people on Reddit. It's like, oh, you know what I did? I, I raised my children with drafts. So like, look, I just, <laughs> I, just, I just needed to take some notes, man. It's fine. But it's one of those things that like, as soon as you say one thing about it publicly, there's like a whole pack of people that mm -hmm. get in touch with you. And yes, the Sonos is definitely one of those products that because it's got a very loyal loyal user base and, but yes it is and, a thing and partly it because and i don't doubt it like the products are good right like yeah. i know that yeah. sonos's products are good but i it's too late now for mm -hmm. me yeah i don't want it is too late to get into another thing i'm three home pods too late yeah <laughs> so two home pods two amazon echoes Mm -hmm. I'm like in. Mm -hmm. Talking about the HomePod, let's talk about the HomePod. After this break, uh, this episode of Connected is brought to you by SaneBox. Everyone has something they don't like about email. Probably more than just one thing. Lots of things. That's why you need to check out SaneBox. While it would be lovely, it's just not practical to just delete all of your email. There's undoubtedly important stuff in there that you have to deal with. But one of the big problems is that all email looks the same. At a glance, it can be difficult to try and decipher which messages need your attention. Well, wouldn't it be nice if your email could be pre-sorted before it even hits your inbox? That's what SameBox is all about. It sorts through your email and moves the trivial stuff to different folders, so the only messages in your inbox are the ones that you'd need. And the great thing is that it works seamlessly with your current system and with any mail app. One of the best features is the black hole. All you need to do is move an unwanted email into that folder and you'll never hear from that sender again. With SameBox, you can set up email reminders, snooze your email, and so much more. I've used SameBox for several years on my work email accounts and honestly, I couldn't like operate without this. I can go in and view the same later folder. It catches things that are important but not urgent. And if some press company or something gets through, I just drag in the black hole and keep living my life without it. To get a little help organizing your inbox, we've worked with SaneBox to get you a great deal. Just go to SaneBox.com connected and you'll get a two-week free trial and an extra $25 credit just because you listen to the show. You don't have to enter any credit card information unless you decide to buy so there's nothing to lose. Check it out today and get your email finally under control. That's SaneBox, S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash connected. Our thanks to SaneBox for the support of the show and Relay FM. I have some real-time follow-up. Yes! So as noticed by Benjamin Mayo, friend of the show on Twitter, 13.4 uh, Beta 2 is out and Apple changed the toolbar in Mail again. So. A uh, bunch of tweaks here. So basically, they took out the flag button. It's been uh, replaced. So there's now a new uh, compose button on the far right side. And the, f uh, the existing reply button has been shifted by uh, one position. So flag is out and the compose button is in. So another wait, change to wait, the mail toolbar. Wait. wait. 
Mm-hmm. Why does the compose button need to be there? If I it have wasn't no there idea. <laughs> I have no idea. It's it seems to me like do fl- people frequently <laughs> open an email and then just You're- compose a completely <laughs> different email? Does anybody at Apple use email? Has anybody ever <laughs> seen an email app the, before? It's not the way that it, it's not the way that it works. Yeah, ain't it, son? That ain't it, is it? You didn't you didn't do that it's one, like right? People, <laughs> it's like people who open Google and they type in Facebook.com into the Google search bar. <laughs> this is not the way that it's supposed to work. You open an email, you want to do things with that email. Why Apparently, compose? it was like this in iOS 12. They're still wrong then. This doesn't make any sense. Like, do, do, who does this? <laughs> oh, man, this is a good email. Let me write a different email to someone else. <laughs> uh, uh, it's like, oh, yeah, now, speaking of email, let me write a new one. <laughs> I've had this one rolling around in my brain for a while. Let me send it to somebody. Uh, maybe it's designed for the way the team likes to manage his emails. It's like he sees something, it's like, oh, I got an email, Eddie. It's like, where's my compose button? Uh, maybe that's maybe that's what his uh, email workflow looks, looks like. I don't know. Has anyone ever done that? Like at least mindfully? Like maybe because it's there, you've tapped it. But like that doesn't that doesn't need to be there, does it? Right? Like I'm not crazy on this one. I know we're making fun of it, but like you don't need that, do you? Isn't no, it better like, to have the flag button there? So I or open forward? Yeah, why is Compose here? Honestly, I, I don't know. Yeah, flag would be better. Or forward, right? Like forward. Or forward. Or, or how about this? A reply button that just replies and doesn't open another menu with a bunch of stuff in it. Like a direct reply button, yeah. Or just like create a button that isn't the reply icon that brings up that sheet. And here's a crazy idea. Bear with me. What if you could configure the toolbar to put in <gasps> the buns? You know what's, I, what's I, wrong I, with I'm you? So, I'm, so, I'm sorry. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you? That used to be a big thing in iOS. Remember, like the old music app, you could like pull artists out and put composers in. It was it was fantastic. You said I agree with you, but can you think of literally any other app that Apple has made other than the music app that let you do that? N- no, no, and not anymore. Also. Yeah. It was just because they wanted to get Bono in there. Mm. Bono was the guy in the artist tab, right? Yeah, a, a silhouette of him. It shouldn't be this way because you can configure a bunch of options for mail. Like, why are swipe options better than toolbar buttons? Like, you can configure those in settings. What's wrong with changing changing the buttons? Not in the mail app. You have to go out to a different application. Well, sure. Oh. <laughs> you have settings in settings. Why are they like more important than? Because obviously they're never gonna agree on a single solution for the toolbar that works for everybody. No, which is which fine. is why many apps, including the app that I use, Spark, you can configure it. And one of my favorite things they added recently is the ability to add a tool in the toolbar to take the current email and turn it into a PDF. Mm-hmm. Send the toolbar, so I hit it PDF, and then I save the receipt that I'm saving right to to the, my receipt app. I use a shortcut to do that, but like that's great. And they have tons of options, and you can put a bunch in there, and you can remove the ones you don't want and add the ones you do want. Because you know what, email is complicated, and people have systems, and configurability inside of email apps is good. However, no email app is good, but there are just some that are worse than others. Mm. All right, so maybe this is a long shot, but if you long press the compose button, you see the drafts um Don't care. Window. That's even, that makes even less sense. Who needs that? I don't know, man. It's like, I oh, never... I'm looking at an email. Oh, man, there was this draft that I was writing. I, 
I, I, I don't think I've ever like intentionally saved the message as a draft. Like email is something that you got to j- j- jump in Drafts and do it. get saved automatically or accidentally for me. Like I don't yeah. start an email, close it, do more email, then open the draft and send <laughs> another email. Email, man. Let's talk about the HomePod. So okay. there was a report on Mac rumors from this company called Strategy Analytics. Like, look, this is like one of those things. It might mean nothing, but it's at least a way for us to talk about something about the HomePod. That apparently... Apple shipped an estimated 2.6 million HomePods during the fourth quarter of 2019. This gave it 4.7% of the smart speaker market. So this would make, if this is all true, Apple was the would have been the sixth worldwide smart speaker market vendor right now, shipping fewer speakers than, as you'd expect, Amazon and Google. But get ready for this. Also, Baidu, Alibaba, and Xiaomi. Okay. Now, this is like one of those things. It's like this is a worldwide market, right? So, like Baidu, Alibaba, and Xiaomi are probably popular in certain markets in Asia, which is like one of those things. Like, none of us, I had no idea that there were products being made by those three companies. Xiaomi, I would have expected because they do make lots, and I know that. Mm-hmm. Alibaba is a surprise to me that Alibaba makes a smart speaker. I'm sure now that I expect they make lots of technology, but I didn't know about that. Um, but that just shows you, like, the companies that have these massive audiences available to them because of the they work in certain markets, they can just command massive amounts of people, right? And anyway, kind of hilarious, really, that Apple's just like so far down in that market. Um, Apple, if all of these numbers are to be believed, Apple would have shipped 1 million more HomePods in 2019 Q4 than it did in 2018 Q4, which would be a 65% increase in growth, which sounds great, right? But it didn't translate to any major increase in market share because everybody else shipped way more. So the market grew a lot year over year. So even though Apple grew 65% year over year, it wasn't enough to make any change to their standing in the marketplace. So all of this led to a conversation we want to have about the HomePod. So let's start with how we are using our HomePods. Uh, as the resident HomePod fanatic, Federico Vatici, uh-huh. how are you using your HomePod? Well, uh, surprisingly, it, my usage is quite basic. I just use it for music. Uh, and like traditional Siri requests. Give me some flavor here. Uh, so like play music or what's on my schedule tomorrow or hmm. home kit devices. Like turn you on see, the lights. See, I'm pleased I asked because what's on my schedule tomorrow, I would never even think to ask my HomePod that. Okay. Like I've, I don't think I've ever asked a HomePod that question. I'm trying to think. Ne- the occasional reminder... Like, remind me to do this. But mostly, really, it's just music and HomeKit. And music, I do tend to initiate from my iPhone or iPad, like, uh, via control center. Like, I just connect manually. Do you do do that more or less often than asking? More more often. More often than... More often, you will pick up your iPhone and then send it. Yeah. Like it's a Sonos speaker, basically. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Have you heard the good news? Yes, I I have. Um, I should say that my excitement for the HomePod has really dried down because Sylvia really fundamentally hates Mm. the HomePod and Siri. Mm. And to the point where whenever I I ask the HomePod for something, for anything, there's her comment 
that follows, like a stupid thing, something like that. So, like when, when, whenever I invoke, Siri, I cannot tell you how much I want to see this in action. Like, we need to come and visit you just so she, I can watch she, Sylvia's disdain for the home part. She comments on it, and and she she basically says something along the lines of like, "Why can't we just have Alexa back?" Now that's interesting because my memory tells me that she turned on Alexa too. In, initially, initially. Right. But I don't know if it's like uh, like she's nostalgic for whatever reason, but she's mm. convinced that, that it worked better. But really, like, this is funny and all, but we do have some, like, serious problems with the HomePod lately. I We have noticed some, uh, quite noci- noticeable increase in the accidental activations over the past two months i want to say um just out of the blue randomly maybe we're watching tv in italian so it's not even english uh of course the homepod does not support italian yet which is another problem um but just out of the blue the homepod will say on it (laughs) it's like what oh you're on what exactly i've been thinking about this kind of stuff recently right what could have happened you have no idea what it might have done exactly but like and could you ever know? Who knows? But exactly. like it's done something. And like it could have been like it could have sent a message to your mum and like said, oh, I hate you. Uh-huh. Like so, anything could have happened. Prank. One time <laughs> one time we're just watching TV and cooking dinner, and she goes, So do you want me do you confirm sending this message to one of my contacts? It's like no, stop. <laughs> it was like I started touching the HomePod. So somehow she, uh, the, the HomePod had been triggered and Siri transcribed whatever message she thought I was dictating. The HomePod asked me to confirm the message. It was about to send the message to one of my contacts, not even an Italian contact, like some person in my address book that I know for work. I was like, stop. Uh, so that was quite scary. The other times, Siri just goes on it or let me take care of that. You know, some stupid confirmation sentence. Mm. Mm. And it just does it and I have no idea what it is. And of course, there's no log to see. You know, with the Echo, you do have a log of all your uh, commands and things that you've asked the assistant to do. With yep. with Siri and the HomePod, you do not have a log. So I have no idea whatever happened. If you've never used that log, by the way, it's like... It's in the the Alexa app somewhere. Yeah. And it's effectively, it it has, you can press play and hear the request. And then it says, this is basically what we thought you asked for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's also super creepy to hear the requests. It is. It's very scary. Especially when they're accidental ones. Mm -hmm. Because it's this whole idea, this whole thing of like, oh, why was Mike so upset about that thing that Apple was doing? Which is because when you hear yourself talking and you're not expecting anyone's hearing it, and there's a machine that's heard it, it's mm-hmm. really creepy. Mm-hmm. Like, it it shines a big light on what you are allowing in your life, and that's an uncomfortable feeling. So, mm-hmm. it's very so, concerning. So, to sum up, basically, at least once a day now, and I'm not kidding, the one of our three HomePods gets accidentally triggered with the invocation phrase, somehow... Uh, even and especially when we are not watching English content, we're watching Italian television, um, and nobody's ever pronouncing the word Siri. So uh, I have no idea what is going on. 
but that as you know combined with Sylvia's feelings on on the device in general that has really um pushed me on a bit of a sad note with regarding the homepod lately mm. yeah Stephen, what about you does your does your usage differ to federico's it does mainly in that I don't have personal requests turned on on my HomePods except for the one here in the office. So the two in the house, because I've got kids, huh. I have that off because I don't want them either accidentally or on purpose uh, interacting with my personal data that's on my phone. So for the most part, it's news, weather, music. I will say I absolutely love the handoff where you're playing music on your phone and you like tap the top of the HomePod or bring your phone close to it and the music transfers and you can do it again and the music goes back to your phone. I love everything about that interaction. Like it, it is just, it's like whimsical and fun. It, it seems to always work for me. I really like that addition. Uh, but like everyone else, I've got my, my disappointments with it. I too have noticed an increase in misfires. So you, you get the, uh-huh or hmm, or it's like, why are you talking? Like I, Nothing. I mean, sometimes you say something and it sounds close to it, but most of the time, if I like think back over the last four seconds of conversations, like, I don't know how you think you heard, Hey Siri. Like, I don't, why? How did you come up with that? And that is upsetting if you're in your home and you're not meaning to speak to the robot, but it's listening. And so I feel like that's not as good as it used to be. And maybe that has to do with Apple's policy change, or or maybe it's just gotten worse over time. Maybe I notice it more, but it seems like there's an uptick in that. So my my feelings of that definitely mirror yours. So I use mine for music occasionally. We don't really listen to a lot of music in the house, but when we do, we'd use the HomePod. We mostly use the HomePods as like AirPlay 2 speakers for our Apple TV. We watch basically everything through the Apple TV. And we used uh, two HomePods and a stereo pair for that. And I really like it for that. Uh, that's my favorite use of the HomePod because the speakers sound much better than anything my te- my television can output. And they do, you know, they do some of the spatial audio stuff. They give us like this nice stereo difference. I really like it. It's very nice. I've been meaning to ask you about that. Is there any lag or does the Apple TV accommodate for that? It accommodates for it. So sometimes you press play and it buffers for a second or two and then it goes. Every now and then... It might get stuck, but then it's just it's typically just a case of press home, press the app again, and it's fixed. And that only ever happens if I'm changing the input. So if like I change the input to the TV or change the input from the TV, because it doesn't it doesn't always stay paired. You have to like fiddle with it sometimes, but it's not too much of a bother because you just press the the the, the home button thing, mm-hmm. the TV button, and you can just change the inputs. That tap to share audio thing that you mentioned, it does not work reliably for me at all. Oh no. And I find it very frustrating. I don't know if it's like in a stereo pair, you're supposed to put it on one or the other. Like, I don't know if that's a thing. But like, it just happened to be the other day I was listening to a podcast on Overcast. I held it on top of the HomePod for like 10 seconds and nothing happened. And then I just opened it up and sent it manually. We use the, I use the HomePods mostly. So we have uh, Alexa products too. I use the HomePod for our controlling our home devices Adina uses the Echoes for that. I use the HomePods because it's the fastest for that. Um, it does. It, it turns on our Hue lights quicker than the Echo does, so I really like it. So I did just give my hand because the next thing I was going to ask you guys if we use competing products, and we do, and we actually use our Echo products more than we do the HomePod. So we have an Echo Show in the kitchen, 
and we will use that for setting timers because it shows the timers on a screen. That's very useful, especially if you have multiple timers, you can see them. Um, and I like, I just liked all of the, um, the echo stuff for timers way more. We got so you, you know, it was so long. It took for multiple name timers to come to the home pod that like, I never even think to, would never even think to use it now because I just got used to not doing that. And the Echo has done it well for so long that it's great. I also really like the um, the Echo Show because it's like a digital picture frame. I would never buy a digital picture frame, but when you already have a device that can just show pictures, it's nice to have that. So we just load, when we go on a, a nice vacation, we just load those images into Amazon's photo app and then it just cycles through them. And it's just nice to have it there because you see these things like, oh, that was nice, you know. You see it in the kitchen or whatever, and we like that. Being able to order the groceries. that Basically, all of this stuff is the same as it's been for a long time, right? So we order our groceries via an Alexa skill because the Alexa platform is open to allow our grocery company to have that skill. HomePod, there is no system to allow that, right? We're able to control other devices, devices like our Dyson devices, our Roomba devices, because the Amazon system allows that. I'm hoping that the Choi thing, which I call Choi Connect the Home over IP, right? I'm hoping that that stuff will allow for us to do more like that on Apple's devices, but we'll see. And we have an Echo Dot in the bedroom uh, because we want to be able to do basic things like changing our lights, checking the weather with a device that costs 30 pounds, not 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't need to listen to music in the bedroom because we don't, this is not something that we do. And I wouldn't want to have a HomePod in there because it would be a waste of money because all we do is like, what's the weather like? Or turn off the lights, you know? So we still use our Echo products more than we use the HomePod for for all of those reasons. For all of the smart home stuff, it's used more in our home than the HomePod is because the the platform just allows for it. It's just more, more friendly. Do you guys use anything else? No, no, no additional hardware for us, even though, again, Sylvia... It would be welcomed in your home, but... It would be like a, like a new Echo would actually be welcome. Uh, but no, I'm trying to think of if, I, if we ever, or if I ever use it for anything. Uh, timers? See, I used to create timers for like when we're cooking pasta or stuff, stuff like that um, on the HomePod and the watch. Lately, I've had troubles with the watch as well. Like, if I press and hold the, the the button to invoke Siri, most of the time, and I want to be precise with my timers, but most of the time, like, it takes 10 seconds to understand my request. And sometimes, it's like, I cannot create timers for a specific time for you. And I was like, what? Why are you trying to say watch? And so lately, I've just <laughs> yeah, been you grabbing... Can. <laughs> yeah, you can. And so lately, I've just been grabbing my phone and, and, create, and creating timers with, the, with Siri on the iPhone because it's more reliable for some reason. The weather, I don't ask the HomePod because I like to check on in, in carrot weather on my phone. Uh, and running shortcuts could be another, but most of my shortcuts like i i have some shortcuts that support like conversational mode but i don't use them often and if i do i mostly use them like again in ui mode um when i'm using my iphone or my ipad 
Um, so yeah, what I said is music home kit and the occasional schedule is mostly of most of my usage. I do have a list of feature requests, though, and problems I that I would like to hear those in one moment. But Stephen, you, your answer is the same, right? You don't. Yeah, you I, don't I, do anything. I else. ditched all the Amazon stuff. I've got one Echo that I keep if I ever want to like check it out, but it's in my office. I think in a cabinet somewhere. Okay, so Federica, what is your list of feature requests? So, I mean, of course, Italian support. I think it's kind of ridiculous that we still don't officially have the HomePod in Italy and you can't change the language to Italian. Uh, it's, you know, it's been a couple of years at this point and I, I was I was certain that they were going to add Italian support last year, but it didn't happen. It's like, it's like living in a forgotten country. Uh, it's very surprising to me that we still do not have the HomePod in Italy. I believe it's sold in Germany and France at this point. but I not think they Italy. just added those recently, right? Yeah, I think so, maybe. I don't know. Uh, it should be smaller and it should be cheaper, really. Uh, part of the problem with the HomePod, and the reason why, it's always on sale. You can always find a HomePod sale every few weeks. It's because it's too expensive for what it does. It should, yeah, And I get that, like, the high-fidelity audio and uh, all no, that kind of stuff. No, it was India. They just brought it to India. Okay. It's been in Germany for a while. Sorry. But yeah, it should be cheaper, or there should be a cheaper version, because not everybody needs the studio quality audio or whatever uh, one of the things that i that i've never liked with the homepod uh from a design perspective is the fact that it's it's only visual communication system which would be the led the, the you know this the display thing at the bottom that is not a, a display but it's actually like a bunch of lights um you cannot see that if the homepod is high enough on a shelf or on a cabinet or whatever like you cannot see that, whereas the Amazon Echo has a ring that you know uh, is placed. Like you can see the ring across the the, the unit, across the cylinder, uh, but the display of the HomePod, because it's at the very top of the device, it cannot be seen if you're not at you know eye level. So that's a problem for me because I can never tell unless I want to get up on a chair and look at it. I can the never tell. The visual indicator is not good enough. The Echo's visual indicator is like so excellent. Yeah, yeah. it's much better. And obviously I I would very much welcome deeper integration with shortcuts. It's nice that you can now hand off and control playback from shortcuts. I do have some shortcuts that I use um, for playing specific playlists, which I should have mentioned. Oh, I totally forgot. I'm so sorry, guys. One of the things that my HomePods do, they are now an additional siren for my home security system. Oh, of course they are, I yeah. totally forgot. Who this was forget? the We talked about this a few months ago. They Since Apple launched... Um, AirPlay automation uh, with 13.2.3 a few months ago, I have added uh, to my existing home security system the HomePods uh, as an additional an additional siren. So uh, besides the physical siren, the 110 decibel siren that I bought from Amazon that is plugged uh, in a secret location of my house and makes a lot of noise should anybody ever try to break in, the HomePods will also play a loud siren track at max volume simultaneously. Uh, so that is something that, that they also do. Uh, and they were only accidentally triggered once when my mom was home and she was terrified. And um, We've talked about this before. 
as I was saying, I do have some shortcuts to play specific playlists, but they can only do that on one HomePod at a time. And I really think there should be a shortcuts action that lets you connect to multiple HomePods or AirPlay 2 speakers at the same time. Right now, that is not possible. Oh, really? Yeah, it's only one at a time from shortcuts. You cannot do the, like in Control Center, you have like the check boxes and you can like select them. Do you them. know like if you have them grouped? It's possible that they're going to be a single unit. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess if they're grouped together, that's going to be a single unit in shortcuts. I'm like 90% sure, but we do not have, have them grouped. They're all like individual units. And in shortcuts, you can only connect to one at a time. Uh, through the action called set playback destination. So you can only set one destination at a time, whereas it should be like Control Center that has checkboxes and you can select multiple HomePods at a time and stream audio to multiple HomePods at a time. And I would like that, but it's not possible now. Uh, my, I was going to say my list of demands. My list of demands, sure, <laughs> I want a helicopter, uh, no, uh, I, I, you know, I in a bag dip of in the cash. Same. There you go. <laughs> uh, I want more open development, right? Like I want companies to be able, I want my grocery company to easily be able to create something where I can order my groceries, right? And when I say that, it's like, we'll just say like, hey, like tell Ocado, which is the company we use to add ketchup to the shopping trolley. And it's like, I've added Heinz ketchup to your shopping trolley. Like, and it's just so easy. It's great. Like, it's it is a fantastic feature. Like, if you can if you get that to work, like, it works flawlessly. It's looking at what is the stuff you have bought recently or previously, and then just adds the most likely result. But when you are in the kitchen and you realize you've run out of something, just saying to the air that you would like a new one of it is so good, right? Like. Just something like that means I'm not leaving. Like we will not leave the Echo family of products for as long as we are using this grocery service because that is so good. But anyway, I would like a HomePod of a screen and I would also like a smaller version because I think that those two products would be good because I like those in the uh, Amazon family. Stephen, do you have anything else like on uh, feature requests? I think y'all hit all my big ones. I think the only thing I would add is related to what Federico said about the LED array being at the top. I think the whole Mm. top of the HomePod is way too sensitive. Like if you brush across it, it'll start blasting music that you played last. And oh yeah, I would like that to be a little more intentional. Like let me double tap to restart. But it, it feels like I'm afraid to go near the top of a HomePod. And the one in our kitchen sits on the counter and above it is like where we hang our keys and more than once a week, one of us will like accidentally brush it with our jacket sleeve and all of a sudden, you know, it, it's playing playing music or whatever. Very, very eager to be used. It is. I'm here. Oh, oh, let me play music for you. It's like, calm down. Just like chill. So I'd like to see them improve that. I like I like the touch things. I have the same problem you do that you can't see them because uh, my one in my office is up on a shelf and I can't see the top of it. Dialing in that those gestures and that touch recognition, I think, would be... Would be welcome. All right. Is that it? We fixed the HomePod? I think think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you want to find links to everything we spoke about this week, head on over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 282. While you're there, you can become a member to support the show, or you can send us an email with feedback or follow-up, or you can find us on Twitter. Mike is there as I-M-Y-K-E. 
Mike is the host of a bunch of other shows here on Relay FM. You can find Federico on Twitter at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. You can find me online as ISMH and my writing at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Smile, Hover, and Sanebox. Until next time, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.